Buongiorno, and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy and international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Techum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. On today's episode of The Global Podcast, we're reverting back to the SDG discussion. Since the last UN finding on global regression towards achieving the climate goals set out by the Paris Agreement and the slew of VNRs, or Voluntary National Reviews, delivered by certain countries year after year, giving mixed reviews on achieving the 2030 global goals, it appears that many are losing focus on the exact importance of the SDGs, or Sustainable Development Goals. From businesses who fail to see the return on investment in addressing the SDGs to certain governments failing to find the political will to achieve them, it's always worth reminding that whatever the sector, the SDGs matter. Joining us to discuss why these global ambitions matter to you, me, and everyone else is Dominic White, who is Head of Sustainable Development at Worldwide Fund, or WWF, UK, and also the co-founder of the UK Stakeholder for Sustainable Development, a multi-stakeholder partnership working to drive delivery of the SDGs across the UK. He has experience working in community natural resource management internationally and in the UK as well, working on sustainable development policy, and will be giving us the UK perspective on SDG importance. So Dominic, welcome to the Global Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, first of all, let's let's take it back as we traditionally do uh, on this podcast as well. Let's first explain one more time to our reviewers what the SDGs are, because it seems to be mixed understanding of, of what they could be, what they mean. So could we have an understanding of what are the SDGs and when did they come into our lives for the sake of our audience? Sure, of course. So the SDGs have been described as a blueprint for a future where all people can live well within the limits of the planet. Um, They were agreed by all 193 countries of the United Nations in 2015, and they exist for 15 years. So the target dates are 2030 for achievement. Um, They were negotiated uh, over the course of three years, actually, Um, in lots of discussions and consultations around the world with over 8 million people from businesses, civil society, community groups, as well as governments, of course, all contributing ideas as to what sort of future we want the world to look like. The SDGs probably address some of the most pressing crises the world faces, um, some of our biggest challenges from poverty eradication and inequality to climate change, environmental degradation, uh, from food and hunger and health to topics around industry, economy, and and living sustainably, ultimately. 
Um, there are 17 SDGs, and within that you have 169 targets. Um, so there's something for everybody to get involved with across that whole agenda. I appreciate how you said that it's something for everyone to get involved with. And you and I both know that the SDGs replaced the MDGs or the Millennium Development Goals back in 2015, if memory serves me right. Um, and of course, the Millennium Development Goals were launched in 2000 uh, with an effort to reduce poverty by half. Now, but what makes the SDGs particularly crucial and different in comparison to the MDGs? Yeah, quite a Quite a few significant things, actually. Um, so the Millennium Development Goals were designed by a few people locked away in a room for a few days. And they set out to galvanize the global community with some success, actually, in their ambition to reduce poverty in the poorer countries of the world. So they're very much framed on the basis of aid flowing north to south in a bit of a traditional sort of development agenda. The SDGs, of course, are much more progressive because of two key factors. One is they're universal, so they apply to all countries. And this is really important, of course, because all, all countries face challenges to get their citizens to have a good quality of life without damaging the planet. Um, and all developed countries have levels of poverty which need addressing, so we all have to take responsibility for that. Um, but it's especially important that all countries tackle sustainable development together, not least because we live in a globalized world where we're all interdependent, but where, of course, actions in a country like the UK can have both positive and negative impacts on other countries. And so working on this by all countries at the same time gives us some real advantages to tackle some of these, these challenges. And the second key factor about the SDGs is they are actually what we call an integrated agenda. That's to say each goal allows us to consider the social, environmental, and economic aspects of development. And this then changes how we make decisions um, by ensuring we factor in all those considerations in our planning. And so, for example, um, if someone's wanting to build a road from A to B, you'd plan that road in a way that uses resources carefully, that's located in areas with least environmental harm, and where the the benefits of road building in terms of jobs and uh, opportunities arising are, are distributed more equitably. And so integration of, of decision-making um, is a really key, key aspect for sustainability. Precisely. And the key aspect you just mentioned is the fact that it's it's for everyone, all actors to be involved, whether from the north, south, everyone has a responsibility to achieve these goals. Um, but however, the, 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 the term everyone seems to be something that seems to be quite confusing to everybody uh, who are looking to take part in it. You know, there tends to be this confusion on the SDGs being the sole responsibilities for governments. But in actual fact, um, it's for almost every stakeholder to be involved in, whether it's a business, an NGO, an impact investor, you know, the list goes on. Everybody can be a so-called agent for change. Uh, now, looking at the UK, how has pickup in the UK been in regards to working to meet these goals, whether at government level or whether at individual stakeholder or, or business? So actually, um, some of the uptake in the UK has been very impressive. We've seen some leading businesses uh, take some great initiatives to drive action on sustainable development goals. Um, and I'd say 
probably businesses were, were one of the early adopters of the SDGs in the UK, actually. Um, what, what business needs, though, is a really strong signal from the government showing it's so serious about achieving a more sustainable future. And therefore, of course, uh, supporting business opportunities that arise from sustainable development. Um, and, and business would be reassured that they're not just going down a pathway which the government's working against. And I think there's a real opportunity for the government there to step up a, an extra foot or two to, um, to help business in that way. It's also be helpful at some point to, of course, set a standard around SDG delivery because no business wants to be accused of what we might call SDG washing um, or, or, you know, superficially engaging in this agenda. It has to be really substantive, but it could do with that, that government policy support. So I'd say business have been um, put off the mark here, but, but needing a bit of extra guidance there. Um, the government, of course, recently committed to net zero, which is a, a policy to ultimately drive our country towards um, net zero emissions of greenhouse gases in that contribute to climate change. This could potentially provide, you know, lots of opportunities for innovation and jobs, but actually nothing's changed yet. So we need to get, the government could get behind the SDGs. A lot of the answers to addressing the targets of the SDGs would get us to net zero. And um, so that's the sort of initiative we need now um, to get a bit more business action towards the right sort of development for for people across the country. Um, civil society, of course, has a key role to play as well in supporting the SDGs. Um, it needs to do much more, I would think, um, to, to start incorporating SDGs into most of its plans and, and its communications, start showing, sharing that, that vision collectively of, of the future we want. And I, I'd say, actually, civil society has probably got a, a bit more, bit more catch-up to be done um, it's not quite there yet, and we don't have a movement around sustainable development yet, whereas, of course, we, we do certainly have a movement around climate change and extinction rebellion, and actually they're not too far off, um, you know, driving towards some of that vision um, without perhaps explicitly referring to the SDG per se. Um, so, yes, you mentioned at the beginning that I we did set up a new uh, multi-stakeholder partnership uh, network called UK Stakeholders for Sustainable Development, um, explicitly to drive action on SDGs uh, over, through the UK. And over half our partners come from the private sector, but also academia, NGOs, think tanks. A and it should include government. It's a truly multi-stakeholder network. But, um, we have more local government uh, interests at the moment. Um, but I think there's, a, there's more to be done there. Um, we need a lot more that civil society can be doing to hold governments and businesses to account on sustainable development actions. Absolutely, because again, as you've indicated, it's something for everyone to get involved. And how funny you've indicated that there is no movement for sustainable development, but more for climate change, which you're right, not to dissuade anybody from taking part in the climate change movement, it's vital, but it's definitely part of the wider picture for sustainable development, for a greater sustainable future, planet, uh, and lives in regards to how we act particularly with business uh, and particularly with 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 the third sector as well and how they engage in regards to just general development um and 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 the work that is being done needs to uh, 
needs to be demonstrated in that aspect. But there's something that I that that comes to mind from my own experience in engaging with businesses, and, and I find it wonderful that you've mentioned the slew of businesses that are taking part in the uh, on the SDG mantra and um, really the, the the credo uh, behind it, and really trying to become a, a proper force for change. But I have heard from my own experience, you know, the work of Pax Tech and Global, which supports this podcast. There have been those who have verbatim said, well, there is no return on investment in supporting sustainable development. Um, and that is that is a statement I hear quite often and in a, in a slew of sectors. So given your experience, particularly with the UK stakeholders for sustainable development, you know, wh- what would be your counter argument against that thinking to someone, whether it's somebody within the C-level um, within a company or, or any particular key uh, corporate stakeholder, what would be the counter-argument against that thinking uh, in order to allow someone to work more closely with the SDGs and be persuaded by the potential ROI that they can bring? I suppose the main argument is the, the corollary of a, a sustainable development is, is living in a society which is inherently unsustainable. And we're experiencing some of that um, unsustainability now. We have runaway climate change if we're not very careful. And at the negotiations in uh, UN climate conference in Madrid right now, they should be ramping up some of that ambition. And if they don't, we are on a serious trajectory for some very damaging outcomes across the world. There are no jobs on a dead planet. And businesses have to adapt. And um, recently, the governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, was uh, talking with the business sector and, and basically saying to them, you know, if you don't adapt, you won't be around as a business. Um, it's, not, it's not really an option. And, um, but of course, that, that's to say also that there are big opportunities and, and he says great fortunes to be made by... Um, thinking about the business model and working in a way which secures um, future business returns, um, but working in a more sustainable way for for everyone's benefit. So everyone has a role. Um, Everyone needs to step up to this agenda because the the alternatives, quite frankly, are just untenable. And um, some sectors, it's more easy to see a direct role in for example, managing resources or climate emissions or, um, you know, managing water resources better, whatever that looks like in, in the business model. Other businesses perhaps have um, a more indirect impact in people's lives and the environment. So, um, but I think there's still something that everyone can do to get behind the broad thrust of um, driving our development down this better pathway. Um, one example would be if you looked at the finance sector, for example, there's some really good uh, practice emerging, some good initiatives, for example, where the banks agreed to uh, an accord which signed them up to help support the delivery of the Paris Climate Agreement and also the SDGs. Um, increasingly, we see the investment community making decisions about future investment because they they start anticipating risks emerging from climate change or resource scarcity. And as an investor, you don't want to put your money into um, what is essentially becoming stranded assets. 
so the investment community are developing some good tools and risk management initiatives to start supporting better business now, which will deliver sustainable returns over the long time. So I think, um, yes, some of the changes may look painful initially, and the rates of return might not be known yet. Um, but we need to move from this short-term thinking into a much longer time frame where we actually factor in the state of the planet for future generations. It's now getting critical, and we're going to have to make some really hard decisions quite soon, I think. It is critical. It's being felt, and particularly in regards to the loss of our proper land to be farmed on, particularly in northern Africa. I was recently speaking with a, a colleague of mine who's originally from Tunisia and indicating how his family, who work in the farmlands, they've become the biggest advocates for what's going on in climate change because only 10 years ago they could work on their land and now suddenly it's impossible and they're finding themselves in absolute uh, economic crisis. So it is shifting and it is something that we all need to take uh, take in consideration. So I appreciate that, that you've mentioned that. And I love the fact you've mentioned in regard to the financial sector because indeed with their impact investments uh, that, that's coming up uh, with the, the launch two years ago of uh, humanitarian impact bonds to really invest towards providing sustainable development in the midst of conflict you know we're really seeing something going on within that sector but i would love to hear some examples of great work being done in achieving the sdgs here in the uk what are some companies or some businesses that you've noticed that have really gone gone full throttle with it with it and what has been some immediate impact you've noticed so i think there are some great initiatives going on around um i think it's very difficult to um get immediate impact uh, some of these things are, are quite slow in transition but i think the key thing is to to be aware of the, the intention and ambition and know that actually we're sort of on a little bit of a frontier with some of these sectors and so the, the change doesn't come immediately but there's been some good good work um that my organization wf has been uh working with with private sector companies uh so for example if we looked at um, some of the work we've done with with the fishing sector in the UK, um, we've we've worked sort of at production and consumption, and so looking at managing the fisheries better with the fishing community, so that the 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 offtake of fish is within the limits that the fishery can provide. So we're very cognizant of securing people's livelihoods throughout that process, but also ensuring that the fish that are caught are then recognised to a good certified standard. And then businesses that commit to buy only fish from sustainable sources can, can know that they, they can secure that supply chain for their customers. So those, that's one illustration. Uh, we've done some work uh, which has been supported by uh, Tesco and Coca-Cola, for example, in the UK, uh, working with uh, sugar beet farmers uh, through East Anglia. And that, um, that work has been about managing water resources um, in terms of um, abstraction rates and also pollution rates and reconciling the competing interests people have over water in those regions with the ability to produce sugar in a way that doesn't damage the environment. Um, but there's lots of examples on um, supply chains. Uh, we're working with the government actually on an initiative 
which they call the Global Resources Initiative. This is about working across multiple um, commodity supply sectors in the UK with an aim to reduce the UK business, well, ultimately our consumption footprint on other countries. So ensuring that the production of resources we need, whether it's uh, sugar or palm oil or soy or uh, many other um, basic resources that we import into the UK, making sure they're produced to the highest uh, social and environmental standards. Um, there's other initiatives um, closer to home on halving food waste. There's a group which call themselves the 12.3 group. I think this was initially headed up by, by Tesco, but they, they changed the, the constituents, but there's businesses, NGOs, think tanks, government involved in scratching their heads and saying, how are we going to halve the food waste, which is an extraordinary volume of food. About a third of our food is either thrown away or wasted in the ground um, in this country, and that has to change. Um, how, how are we going to do that? So, like I say, some of these problems are pretty tough nuts to crack. Um, they're going to take a while, but uh, we need to start now to do that. And there's plenty more um, that we could find around technology and renewables, electric vehicles are taking off, um, green buildings are emerging. What we need are now some really good, strong policy signals from the government to say, yeah, let's get behind this drive, let's support sustainable development, and let's have more of these, these great examples going to scale across the country rather than sitting in their sort of innovation boxes. Absolutely. And really having businesses and government work together to really drive those sustainable development policies where they make sense. And, uh, you know, hearing what you've indicated about the food uh, waste aspect. I mean, I've been living in the UK now for seven plus years. And despite my accent and exotic name, I'm actually of Italian origin. And in Italy, it's com considered a sin, peccato, if you throw food out. So to see the enormous amount of food waste that happens in London and throughout the UK has always made my little Italian heart cry and cringe. So to hear Tesco taking those initiatives is wonderful. Uh, and it's those little things that can really make such a difference, particularly, and leads to particular hopefulness for the future, which is actually leading to my final question, which is really, you know, we have 10 more years to go on achieving the SDGs. And with the recent reports, it's it's pretty, it sounds pretty miserable. But how hopeful are you that we will, as a, as a global community, actually achieve the SDGs or maybe even the UK? How, how are we doing in your eyes? And do you have hope for that future? I think um, we have to be optimistic. Uh, it's great to have hope, but it's not going to happen without action. So we need to really knuckle down and get some core policies and practices in place pretty quickly to get these SDGs realized. But we can do it. Um, I believe we've got solutions to many of the challenges we're facing. Some of them have been sitting on the shelf but need a policy push or some funding push to get them moving much faster. Um, I think... Broadly, there's so much that could be done now um, with the right political will. Um, it just is going to require a superhuman effort to get it going. So I think it can be done. Ten years is sufficient amount of time to at least start getting some of these things well underway. But generally, some of these transitions can take a, a long time for society to adjust. And recently, I think it was Paul Polman, the former chief executive of Unilever, who was um, discussing this similar question, actually, and, and actually, in the same way, suggested that 
if we care enough, we can get this going. The question is, do we care enough? And I think that gets to some of the sort of profound frustration that some of us experience, which is we are constantly talking about some of the solutions um, that do exist, but we're not getting that political cut through to say, no, future generations do matter to us. We do need to leave the planet in a better state than we've, we've, um, when we pass it on. Um, so there's a lot more that needs decisive action. But I think, you know, with a goodwill um, and, and the right understanding of how badly we're damaging this planet and how much that's going to undermine our, our lives and livelihoods, I think, um, you know, a bit of leadership and realization of a better future, which is a very attractive proposition to most people, you couldn't deny that, then I think um, we can make huge headway against this um, agenda and ultimately work towards sustainably living on this planet. Precisely, as you've indicated, we look to have hope, but we have to have action with this, because if we do nothing, it's then we're pretty much hopeless. Dominic, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Global Podcast, and it's been enlightening in regards to the potential that is going on within the UK. So thank you very much for joining us, and it has been an absolute pleasure. Good to chat. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Global Podcast. I'm Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tech and Global Consultancy, which produces this series. Please do check out our website at www.paxtechumglobal.org. That's P-A-X-T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L.org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Join us next week for another edition. And until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!